Welcome to Pixel Tunes Radio, a podcast where we have fun talking about video games and video game music. I'm Mike. And I'm Ed. And I'm Brian. <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. I know, right? And this is our episode 86 of Pixel Tunes Radio Point and Click Adventures. Correct. And uh, we have Brian here with us. Brian and Mike are super, super old friends. They used to ride Brontosauruses. Yes. school together absolutely way back in the day yep uh, you, were, you were joe i was mac yeah that's about right oh, yeah caveman ninjas yeah yeah sweet <laughs> all right so brian why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and you've got a cool podcast that you're in the middle of doing and, and why you picked this theme for our show today i mean brian's yeah. been on the show before way back in episode yeah, five so yeah, for yeah. you old schoolers yeah episode what five five brian spinks 81 yeah. episodes later, right? Yeah, right? right. Yeah, jeez, man. We've All been right. neglecting him. Yeah, right? Yeah, so uh, I just wanted to say, you guys are my inspiration. Aww. We, uh... <laughs> Am I the wing? Are we, are we the wing? Wing? <laughs> winged beneath your wings? Yes, no, absolutely. Me and Kevin and Caitlin started a podcast called Pixel Stories, which, uh, you know, the name, we're not affiliated with you guys, but the, the name was definitely a tip of the hat. For you guys as you know we saw you build the podcast and grow the podcast mm-hmm. and we said hey you know we could do that mm-hmm. too a monkey <laughs> could yeah. do that yeah <laughs> hey, hey those hey. jamokes could do it <laughs> anybody could yeah <laughs> so kevin and caitlin for the record kevin was my old roommate in college and his uh, now wife caitlin it's those two and and brian do this uh, show well tell us a little bit about the show about pixel stories so Pixel Stories is a podcast where we explore stories, video games, and the connections between the two. Our episodes consist of game lore, games influenced by history, games based on books and other media, and uh, just really outstanding original game lore, uh, and even interactive fiction. We haven't gotten to any interactive fiction episodes right. yet, but we're we're on track. So cool. you're, mm-hmm. what, three episodes deep? And well, four now. Four. Okay, so you yeah. got a fourth recorded and you're good yeah. to go. The fourth, now, funny funny enough, the fourth was a point-and-click adventure. Okay. I have no mouth and I must scream. Okay. Oh, that's okay. right. That was yep. a great game. Yeah, yeah. And then you've also done, like, Fallout and the yep. Skyrim universe. Yep. So and it's then, really kind of cool listening to you guys and kind of, like, getting that, you know, here's the video game mm-hmm. stuff, but then here is, you know, real-life or other types of media that kind of conglomerate all with that to help you kind of understand the world a little bit. I, I know we have a really big fan base that loves Castlevania, uh, so yeah. I know we've been in talks about possibly yep. jumping on doing a Castlevania episode with you guys yeah. on your podcast. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I mentioned something about like Dynasty Warriors and yeah. doing a yep. historical Chinese uh, show, yeah. so yeah. that would be cool too. So those yeah. are in the works. We're going to have Mike on for Castlevania. We'll have Ed on for Romance of the Three Kingdoms, yep. Dynasty Warriors. Definitely. All that good stuff. Yeah. Now, here's the other thing too. I'm I'm looking for a guest for Below the Root, Below which the is root. is a very old game, Commodore 64, okay, Apple IIe. So if there's anyone out there that plays that, keep Aaron going. Hickman, yeah, maybe <laughs> that's the only person I can <laughs> think of. Yeah, because it's it's based on a trilogy of novels. Okay, so they're very long. Kevin and Caitlin don't want to read it. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah, we'll put the word out definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is pretty much it. So, we'll, I mean, we're getting to the show in just a minute, but uh, yeah. So, why'd you pick the the theme of uh, point and click adventures? It's one of my favorite genres of games, mm-hmm. and you know, I picked this category, and I thought, oh, there's so many games. This is going to be great. Right. I'm listening to the music, and it's all so ambient. Yeah. That it's like more so than Brian Eno's airport music, <laughs> music for airports. Yeah. Music yeah, for yeah, airports. yeah. That's that. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I did find it quite yeah. challenging because there are a lot of games that I really love and I'm going through the soundtracks. I'm like, there's got to be something that I can put on the show that would have some sort of 
body or, you know, energy to it. And, uh, yeah, I was coming up empty. But I did I did find four really good picks that I'm really, really <laughs> happy with. I think we've got a lot of really kind of varied games. A lot of different show types of games. From all over the world actually, not yeah. not just mm -hmm. America. We've got Japan and Europe and so it's all all pretty cool stuff. I, I must confess that I'm not a big point and click adventures guy. The games to me are are very slow paced, so I really need a game that really captures me with some really fun and imaginative characters. And I mean, so, you know, not, not being able to read probably has, you know, yeah, an effect that's on that true. As well, right? That's absolutely true. Yeah. <laughs> I look at the numbers in the letters and I'm just like, duh. <laughs> so, yeah, I am not a big fan of the series. So, um, most of the games that I picked were uh, visual novels, which I've played a lot of visual novel based type games, and maybe like two point of click adventure games. But we'll, we'll get into that afterwards. So. Sure. So, we have a couple of top of the show biz. Businesses. Businesses. Biznai. Biznai. Yes. Anyhow, so uh, first off, and uh, anybody who does listen to uh, the VGM Jukebox on their show that they put out last Friday, you might have heard the announcement, and I also put something up on Facebook last Friday as well. We are doing a special crossover episode with Josh and Emily. It's going to be another fan-favorite episode. I know we're doing it really, really quickly yeah. since we did the last one, <laughs> but we came up with this idea because we talked about VGM Jukebox so much. Uh, the last time we did our fan favorite show. Mm -hmm. And so I was talking to Emily and she's like, you know, this is really cool. I, I, she loved that we were doing that kind of show. And I was like, well, why don't you guys come on and we'll do like a whole big fan favorite kind of deal. So it's weird. You kept calling her Eileen when you said that. Come on. Come on, man. <laughs> Anyhow, so uh, what we're going to do, take suggestions for tracks. So before May 1st, so it's about you got about two weeks to do this. By May 1st. By May 1st. Right. Send your track and a testimonial, either audio or just type something out. Yep. Send it to ptrsubmit at gmail.com. It's the same email that we used last time exactly. when we did it uh, for what, episode like 80? Yeah. Right? Yep. I know we had a lot of people last time that submitted that didn't make it into the show, and some of you guys kind of messaged us when we were a little upset, wanted to know why, and, you know, it was really hard to pick, so... That there's good news there's for you. There's good news for you guys. <laughs> good so, news, everyone. <laughs> Josh and Emily have, uh, we've kind of worked something out with them where any picks that you guys send in that don't get aired on Pixel Tunes Radio. It's one pick per person, right? They will, yeah, one pick, one per, pick person, per person. One song per person. Yeah. They will bring your suggestions home with them, and your suggestions will be featured on an episode of VGM Jukebox. So you're either going to be aired on PTR or yep. VGMJB if you put a suggestion in. So everybody wins. Everybody wins. Really cool idea. So yep. yeah, May 1st, PTRsubmit at gmail.com. And that's it. It's going to be an awesome show. It's I'm going to be forward a to lot it. of fun. Actually, I, I'm. It, it's interesting because we've we've always had guys on the show. This will be our that'll be our first episode with a woman on the show. So that'll be really cool. Yeah, that's because we'll very get true. a totally different perspective. Exactly. Yeah. Next order of business is Pixel Chat. We've got one Pixel Chat question. It is from Richard Cruz, and he writes, "Morseus here again. Thanks for answering my previous question. It was cool to hear y'all's opinions." Every time I hear the theme of Cosmo Canyon in Final Fantasy VII, I feel an overwhelming urge to pick up the game and play it through again. Do you guys have any songs from any games that make you feel the same way? Any song that screams, hey, play me again, scrub? Who you call a scrub? <laughs> so you're calling yourself a scrub? <laughs> the game is calling you a scrub. Yes, yes. Uh, that's a good question. 
Well, I've got an answer to that. All right. Most of the games that I owned as a kid, because, like, just based on doing the podcast and, and my thread where I rip music for people... You know, I spend so much more time listening to VGM than I do actually playing games at yeah. this point that a lot of this music I don't even have game references for. So the games that I grew up with, like the old NES games, Captain Skyhawk, Track and Field 2, you know, soundtracks that I don't listen to very much. Bionic Commando. Uh, you know, when right. I'm when I'm just walking around or, you know, driving in the car. When I do hear that music, I still strongly associate it with that game. Right. More so than I do, like, a lot of the VGM that I've discovered recently. So like those two particular games were the first ones that came to my head. I hear the Captain Skyhawk soundtrack. It makes me think of the game, makes me want to go play the game. So I think a lot of the old nostalgic NES stuff really draws me towards wanting to play them again. Yeah, I would say I get really amped by hearing music from a game I've never played and listening to that music over and over again, and that makes me want to play the game, right. actually. So for me, I'm, I'm answering the question, but it's kind of like a weird way that I'm answering it. I'll give you an example. We did the TurboGrafx-16 episode, the TurboGrafx PC Engine split EP, and that Soldier Blade song that we played yeah. is so incredible. And I I'm knew still, you were going to say that. Dude, I'm <laughs> I knew still it. listening to that song in my car. I put the whole soundtrack, I ripped it from Ed's collection and, and put it on. And uh, it's, it's just been so absolutely incredible to listen to. The whole soundtrack is fantastic. And I just weep tears of, 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 of dollars. <laughs> dollar bills just just pouring out of my eyes. Well, collect because, them, then you have enough to buy yeah, the game. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, because the game is so expensive. What do you think? Money grows on eyes? Yeah, it's like a $600, $500 game, it's and it's not available loose at all, nope. unless you want the PC Engine version. So eh, skip a car payment for a month. Yeah, you know. yeah, no. It's not like they'll repossess it or anything. Yeah, so... <laughs> Hello, Subaru? You're not going to believe this, but i got to get this game. i got to get Soldier Blade. <laughs> so what about you, Brian? Did any titles kind of pop into your head when yeah, you had a question? Yeah, actually, one of the titles I picked for this show, which was uh, Corandia Book 3, Malcolm's Revenge. Awesome. Which we're going to get into very, very shortly. Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think right now, unless anybody's got anything else... Don't about. ruin my segue, Mike. This is uh, smooth. I, I just want to give a shout out to a guy I know named Earl. Oh, come on. <laughs> All right. Come on. So we're going to go round robin like we usually do when we have a guest on. So Brian's pick is first. He picked Legend of Carandia 3. And the track is Back in Carandia. It's also known as the Night Music by Frank Klepacki. Let's hit it.
Dat Frank Klopacki bass. Yeah. <laughs> I think we said that last time, too. I think His so. His bass lines are just amazing. So good. Uh, so that was Legend of Corandia 3, and that was back in Corandia, the night music, and that was by Frank Klopacki, if you haven't figured that out already. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I like this track a lot. It's kind of low quality. It's like, like a static behind it. What they did with the game, like, so Corandia 2 was MIDI, and Frank Klopacki also did a MIDI score for Corandia 3, but for some reason they decided to put it through a really high quality MIDI sound font, but then they recorded that and streamed it in the game. So I guess they wanted everybody to listen to the same version of the song instead of having different, you know, different MIDI cards, having it sound different like MIDI was back then. Mm -hmm. But streaming technology kind of sucked, so it's like it ended up being all just mono and a little static. I mean, the, the song itself is fantastic. I just wish there was a higher quality, like, stereophonic version available. It would have been mind-blowing. Yeah. Now, this game's called Malcolm's Revenge, so that that's like its subtitle. Right. He's, he was tired of being in the oh. middle. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's book three, so it's the third of the series. Okay. And it's kind of cool because you play as different characters in all the series. So I actually played it in reverse order, oh. oddly enough. This is my introduction to the series. So I played three, and then I played two. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, you get to play Xanthia in this one. Because she's in three, Brandon's in three, Darm's in three. All the characters you meet throughout the Legend of Corandia, or whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. are in the game. Okay. That's pretty cool. So why, why did you pick this particular track for this game? I love it. The night music and the day music, I can't get it out of my head. I can listen mm -hmm. to this on repeat over and over and over. You can tell... It's a head bobber. It's a head bobber, for sure. Frank Klopacki, man, he did his research. He was playing Monkey Island nonstop. <laughs> yep. And... What I like about this song in particular is that he took so many styles, funk, jazz, hip hop, yeah, the pirate hip -hop. island, calypso, yep. and he merged them together seamlessly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that hip hop towards the end. That really yeah. like brings a different vibe to the track. And you know, I was grooving to the track for the most part like throughout the entire experience, but then when that hip hop like bump comes in, I was just like, oh yeah. It just yeah. gives it a whole different feel. Yeah, and like, it changes it up. It makes you, you know, kind of, yeah, like, this, shimmy, yeah. Yeah. this whole soundtrack, he nailed the percussion and he nailed the bass, like, yeah. out of this world. Absolutely. There's a song, sounds like it's right out of Toe Jam and Earl. Okay. There's a song in Limbo, it sounds like an In Vogue song with nice. a lot of jazz and, your mind. and, and hip hop. The whole soundtrack kind of has this refrain where it one song references another and there's lyrics so with, there's layers yeah. there's, there's lyrics with positive female there's vibes like, well, now there's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 so yeah. speaking of songs playing off each other that the track that we came into the show with was uh, the Carandia day music right where this is the night yeah. music so what yeah. how do those two relate to each other it's great because it's the same location you start the actually you start the game in a dump <laughs> in typical nice. Carandia fashion yeah. yes yeah and, sort of uh, swamp, I think, in the second one. Yeah, yeah. Darkmoor Swamp. Yep. And uh, so you're in Corandia. You go on this huge adventure. You go to the jungle after you're in Corandia. You go to the ends of the earth. You go to Limbo. You go to the underworld. And then you end up back in Corandia, the same place you started the game, but it's nighttime. And everything's a little different. Very, you're very a little cool. different. Nice. Nice. Well, it goes without saying. <laughs> 
So Carandia is a, is a great series. We played a little bit of it, uh, episode 80. That was another fan yep. favorite. Daniel Greenberg, I think, was the guy that yep. introduced me to the series. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because I wanted to play more of the series. I said that I was going to when we aired the show. But you did. I haven't gotten around <laughs> to it yet. It's only been a couple months. But, you know, the more you, we talk about it, the more you talk about it. You know, I, I, I want to start in order. I don't want to go reverse like you did. So I want to yeah. start off with you episode. just go crazy, like two. First one. I should play like one. you know an hour of one, then play an hour <laughs> yeah. of three, yeah, and an yeah, hour yeah. of two. Yep. It'll be like a Tarantino film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be like <laughs> Memento, yeah. Frank Klopaki, we've talked about him quite a bit on the last uh, episode, so we're not going to dive too much into his history. One thing you should know about him is that he did like mostly like Command and Conquer. Like That's one of the big ones that he's known for, other than uh, Legend of Carandia, so... He's got tons of influences and tons of uh, games that he's worked on in the past. Games like The Lion King for the Super NES, Monopoly, the entire Command and Conquer series, pretty much. Blade Runner, which I, I know you said you played. We played a track from. from that, yeah. Yep, yep. And Command and Conquer is pretty much what he's most well known for. That's a fantastic yeah, yeah. series and fantastic soundtrack. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if I'm remembering correctly, couldn't you take the disc, put it directly in your CD player, and listen? To the yeah, soundtrack? there was like yeah, audio. I on love it. that. Yep, I yep. love that. Um, another cool fact about Frank Lepaki is that his name rhymes with spank me wacky. That's it. Brian's the new host. You're off. Uh, Table flip in the opposite direction. You know, I'd love love to uh, seriously tell you all about Frank Lepecki, but his Wikipedia page is insane. It's got so much information. So if you are interested... Frank was born when Venus was in the third quadrant. Yeah, yeah. So (laughs) if you want to learn more about Frank Lepecki, go back and listen to our episode 80 where we covered a lot of information on him. Or just visit his Wikipedia page. Yeah, yeah. Make sure you have no, an hour's worth no, of free time. No, they have to listen to the episode. That's the only way <laughs> they're going to get the information. We're just going to read it to you word for word. <laughs> yes. That'll be the rest of the episode. So, uh, a few little things about the game. This was a little different because Westwood made it. Right. So you had, like, the big guys. You had Sierra. You had LucasArts. And then you have, you know, this coming out of nowhere. What I really loved about the game is the smooth interaction. You didn't have push and pull and, like, a thousand different buttons for actions. It was very intuitive. More simplistic. Um, yeah. I think, too, this is one of the first games I've seen with an achievement point kind of thing. So you can do something random in the game, and you'll like, it'll be like, and you get points for it. Mm. Whether it's the main quest line or not, uh, which brings you to another point, which they there's so much you can do in this game. Actually, with the points that was originated in like one of the very first adventure games, King's yeah. Quest, yes, there was a yes, score at the yes. top of the screen. It's just, so it's just like that. Similar to that. Except I love the noise it makes. It just, <laughs> and it's always something funny. It's like jerk points. So one of the things you can do is you can get some broken glass. So to get these achievement points, you get some broken glass and you can offer it to a kid and he goes, hey kid, go play with some broken glass. He sounds like the Joker, like Mark Mark Hamill's Joker, yeah. And the kid gets scared, he runs off. You can, it's just like brutal, the things you can do to people. You can like, there's a dog, is, and he's like, he has a circus boat. You could stab him in the chest with a nail. Oh, that's terrible. Wow. Yeah, it's just... It's like Postal the Adventure game. He's so mean for no reason. Wow, that's you, Do you play as Malcolm? You play as Malcolm. Okay, and he's yeah. the bad guy, so I'm, yeah. that makes sense. No, well, the other thing that's kind of cool about this game, too, is you have this meter, and it goes... There's nice, normal, and lying. Okay. So you can... If you're normal to people... You know, they'll say something like, hey, you can't do that. Oh, try and stop me. What are you going to do? You know, he does not care. Mm -hmm. If you're lying, he'll say anything.
anything or do anything to manipulate people. Mm -hmm. And if you're nice, it's the same thing. He'll just he'll just be like really nice to people, okay. but it's not sincere. Each it's, each interaction, you get a one of three. Choices. Instead of having to like scroll through endless dialogue options, uh -huh. it's just you want to be nice dialogue option, normal or lying. So gotcha. for instance, in the jungle level, there's a dog. He's got a cart, and if you're normal, he's like, "Hey, give me a ride," and the dog's like, "Get out of here." <laughs> but if you're nice, if it's, oh, could I please have a ride? Then the dog will, you know, oh, right. drop Gotcha, in. gotcha, gotcha. Very, very cool. The, yeah, yeah, I need to play this series. The, this character yeah. that you're talking about reminds me a lot of, for whatever reason, I'm getting uh, the picture of the, the jester from uh, Pandemonium. He is a jester. Yeah. Oh, he is? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, okay, that's yeah. funny. He's a little shorter yeah. and a little squatter than the guy from Pandemonium. Yeah, okay, but, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's really funny. Yeah, and the, really the other thing I love about this game, too, is very nonlinear. Okay. So from Corandia, you're you're kind of an outlaw, and mm -hmm. you're trying to get off the island. There's six ways so you gotta figure, to get off the figure island. Out where to and go. you could you could do any path. That's Lots of replay right. value. That's cool. Yes. Very cool. Neat. All right. Well, let's move on to our next game then. What you got for us, Mike? So I picked Snatcher from the Sega CD, and this came out in 1994 on that console. The Entrance to Hell is the name of the track I picked, and it's by Kazuki Muroaka, Motoaki Furukawa. Akira Yamaoka, Hiroshi Tamawari, and Kida Sun. Let's give it a listen. was Snatcher on the Sega CD, came out in 1994, and that track was called The Entrance to Hell, and depending on where you look up on the internet, <laughs> it's by Kazuki Muroaka, Motoaki Furukawa, Akira Yamaoka, Hiroshi Tamawari, Kida Sun, and Kazuhito Imai. We're going to add him in. He's credited as sound design, and he's done a bunch of stuff, which we'll talk about in just a minute. Snatcher is a game that is very, very, very expensive. It's like a $500 game complete yeah. now. Yeah, well, being, you know, associated with Hideo, Hideo Kojima, Kojima, I mean, it's just right. anything he touches, especially his early stuff, these are like his rookie cards, you know? Yeah, this, was, his items. this was actually his first adventure game, and he followed it up with another game that we'll be talking about a little bit later in the podcast. Mm -hmm. So this game actually came out on a lot of different systems. It was originally released for the PC-88, and then it later on came out on the Mega CD or the Sega CD. And then later on it came out in the Sega Saturn, unfortunately only in Japan. Right. So the only version that US people got was this particular version. US and Europe, I think, it only came out. Uh, yes, yeah. right, correct. So this game is a like cyberpunk 
thriller, I guess you could say like a point and click adventure. It also uses, uh, or can use the justifier gun, the uh, shooter gun for the Genesis, the little hand, the lethal enforcer. Shooty shooting. Shooting. The shooty shooty. Yeah, 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 yeah. You mean guns. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Before we go any further, we should kind of just kind of delineate. So point and click adventures, you know, what I thought of point and click adventures when we started collecting stuff for the show were, you know, uh, games where you move your character around on the screen by clicking, et cetera, et cetera. And you, you didn't have much experience with that. So like no. you said, you kind of went with the visual. more visual novel. Yeah. And it does count. It, you do go on an it adventure does. and you do point and click at things. So visual novels. This is more of an in a visual novel kind of a style. Yes. They are visual novels are considered like a subgenre of point and click adventures. Right, right. There's a ton of subgenres for point and click adventures, but this was one that I've always uh, I my very first visual novel, I guess you could say, adventure, uh, was actually Phoenix Wright. So, and we'll right. talk a little bit about that as well later on. Objection! <laughs> We're not going to talk about it. <laughs> but this track, I, I really love this track. First off, it's sequence audio. It's not... Um, it's all FM. It's, it's, all, it's, yeah, uh, it's Genesis music, basically. Straight up Genesis music. Sounds like something out of like a Sonic game. It sounds like casino, like a casino level. You know what it, it basically is to me? Yeah. It's if, if a final fight came out for Sega. Okay. That's all I could think of. Especially when that first lead comes in. Right. You mean for Genesis. It does have that kind of a tough back alley kind of feel to it. Yeah. Uh, it, it's that a it's, grungy bass. Do, do, do. Yeah, do, exactly. Do, like do, a stand-up bass. Yeah, yeah. I, I do feel like, you know, it's very simple and I do kind of feel like that's probably because it originally came out on the PC-88. True. Which had a much more basic FM chip in it. So they kind of kept a lot of those notes kind of very static feeling and there's yeah. not a lot of like warbles and FM sweeps going on and mm -hmm. stuff but it's just it's it's just fun and so this plays like a, at the entrance to a club right hell is the club that you're trying oh, I've to never get played into. this game oh okay <laughs> yeah so for the record um, I, I have a burn copy of this game Shh, don't tell anybody Secrets. Um, and uh, I've been meaning to play it because I burned a bunch of Sega CD games and I was like oh cool I'm gonna check this game out and I put it in, I turned it on, I made sure that the game worked, and I was like, cool. When I have, you know, when I'm retired and I'm like 65, you'll finally get I'll, around to I'll it. I'll finally get around to it, or I'll die, you know, either way. Right. Yeah, yeah. 65? Yeah. You're not really nah. looking up for things, are nah, you? Nah, man. Anyhow, yeah, My, so. Nah. <laughs> I didn't you, know you hadn't played it, so yeah, this plays... I'll be lucky to make it to 40. <laughs> I, I, I haven't played much of it, but I, yeah. this isn't too far into the game. Okay. You, you want to get into this club to question some right. you know, people that are, you know, there's a whole mystery going on. All um, I know is that Simon Belmont's in this game. Briefly, yes. Yes. And they, so is the Metal Gear. Yes. Is your and I think, partner. I think the dude from Rocket Knight, what's his name? Sparkster? Sparkster. Sparkster, yeah. Oh, Spark yeah, yeah, yeah. Sparkster. It's like a it. little, like, one-off cameo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did they squeeze him in that universe? He's, uh, they made him more anthropomorphic. Like, he's okay. actually, but he's got the armor on. Right. And he's not, like, a little cartoon It's character. like a little toy on the show, like a Metal Gear. Yeah. Like a little toy on the no, desk. No, I think they're all in, like, a strip club or something like that. It's or dancing, kind of like a... Kind of like a dance. Adult-style club. Right, right, right. But, yeah, there's a guy that you're trying to... Thing too. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're trying to get into the club, mm -hmm. and this guy with a wolf mask who's like the bouncer. Right. I, from what I remember, it's been a while since I've played, but you're kind of trying to get your dialogue tree proper so that you can actually get into the club. And right. This is the music that you hear while you're doing There's that. There's a lot of games that do that, actually. Rise of the Dragon, another Sega CD game. That's another point-and-click adventure that I started Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have played through that. Yeah. That's really good. That one's good. Ages ago. I actually have that. Yeah, that I have it, game. too. The, the only problem that I have with a game like that is... It's it's very trial and error, but it's to the point where you can't fix. Like if you screw up, you screw it up, and you I have to reset so much the in that whole game. Yeah. game. 
So I don't know if Snatchers like that. I'm assuming no. Not to my knowledge, not no. from what I remember. But nowadays, you know, thank God for game facts, right? Yeah. Especially with these kind of games, mm -hmm. because there are points in almost every single point-and-click adventure I've played. There's been a point where I'm like. Where do I go? What do, what I, do I do? Or I, like, yeah. I stop at the wrong point yeah. and I pick it up two days later and mm -hmm. I'm like, crap, somebody said something and yep. I didn't remember it. And so remember, luckily right. you can just go to a page and they'll be like, oh yeah, here's a little hint. Mm -hmm. um, and they can move you on. So you don't have that much trouble nowadays. Yeah. There was one game I played. It was a very obscure game. It was like Igor Project Dukinawa. You're this college kid trying to get to Hawaii. So and Doogie Howser. It's the worst. Project Doogie Howser. Project yeah. Doogie Howser. The worst, <laughs> the best example of pixel hunting ever because you had to get a nail out of the wall. It was literally one pixel. Oh, man. Oh. That's just mean. That sounds That's like Metroid sadistic. Other M when you're trying to find the clue the on other the ground. M, yeah. yeah, the other M. Yeah, when, <laughs> when you're, you're trying to find the fun. Yeah. Oh! oh! Snap, he went there. This guy. <laughs> Better put some ice beam on that burn. This guy. <laughs> All right, so uh, composers. Yeah, let's talk about them. So a we lot got, of these guys we talked about before too. Yeah, I mean these are Konami guys. Veterans. Guys, barons. Veterans. The barons of Konami. <laughs> no, these are the musical barons of Konami. Like like uh, the bad dudes from Data East. We've yes, got the barons from Konami. Exactly. So we're gonna start with Kazuki Muroaka. He mostly did a lot of production on like the Metal Gear games up up to the Metal Gear Solid Five, the Phantom Pain, and. 2015, but he goes way far back to 1986 where he did sound effects on Rock and Rage. Jump ahead, he worked on sound editing for Contra, Super Contra, he did music editing, Blades of Steel, he did the music for it. Jumping a little bit ahead, Parodius, Lethal Enforcers in 93, Police Knots in 96, which we'll talk about in a bit, Metal Gear Solid 98, he was the sound director on that, Metal Gear Solid VR missions, and he kind of became a sound supervisor, sound programmer, so kind of like working in the background as far as that goes. Motoaki Furukawa worked on other Konami games as well. He started actually around 87 with Ajax for the arcade. Uh, Bird of Fire he did for the MSX2. Gradius 2 for the MSX. Mostly worked on the MSX very early in his career. Uh, he later jumped on with Castlevania Legend. Then worked on the SD Snatcher for the MSX, which I'm not sure if that's... It's kind of like a parody story, like a okay. side story, okay. but so it's more cartoony. Right. Yeah. Super deformed, so right. long chibi versions. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. exactly, yeah. <laughs> Sunset Riders, they did the arcade version, uh, jumping a little bit ahead, Police Knots, uh, Castlevania for the N64, and uh, his last known game was 2001 Mambo A Go Go. And then uh, last thing I wanted to mention was Kazuhito Imai, was also pretty much like a sound engineer and mixing engineer. He's not really credited for a lot in terms of actual composition, but we wanted to mention him uh, because he has done things with relation to Snatcher, but he's done a lot of Castlevania stuff, Castlevania Lament of Innocence, Dance Dance Revolution. He's done a lot of mastering engineer work for those games. So Very cool. Yeah. Akira Yamaoka was credited. Uh, We've never talked about him before. No, I mean, he was mostly sound programming for this game. Obviously, you know, go back and listen to our Silent Hill episode for yes. a full bio on him. Yes, yes. All right. And Kida Sun... Yeah, we couldn't really find any information on him. He was a ninja while he was working on this. Yes, yes. And then he disappeared. <laughs> he got snatched up. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's a, <laughs> I don't know if that's an alias or what. So yeah, I mean, depending on where you go, like we said earlier, you may find 
you know, the composers are gonna be different depending on where you go. Moby Games, Wikipedia, you know. Yeah. So let's move on to your pick. What do you got for sure, us? Sure, for my first pick of the day, this is a game that literally just came out. It's called Thimbleweed Park, released uh, on the PC via Steam. The track is called No Quarter, and it's written by Steve Kirk. I don't have a penny. I don't have a dime. I don't have a wristwatch, can't even spend time. I can't rent a VHS or buy an LP. My mood ring's gone dark since you've left me. And I don't have a quarter to call you on the phone. from Thimbleweed Park, which came out, uh, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, written by Steve Kirk. And so this is a return to, like, really old-school 1980s-era point-and-click adventures, uh, the the Ron Gilbert era, and he did all those awesome games like Monkey Island, I think he's the most popular for, and Maniac Mansion as well. I don't know, the song has a very 80s feel, obviously. They're mentioning LPs and VHS and... and It had a very lighthearted feel to it, to the point where I was like, is this a joke song? Yeah. And and, I think mainly because of the vocals. The vocals, to me, uh, they they weren't, like, bad, but they were, like, it it felt, like, hokey. It sounded very They Might Be Giants. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I couldn't put my finger on it. It's like, is this, like, cake? Or is this, like, another Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, And, yes... That's it. Cake's another one now. That's very... I'm a really big They Might Be Giants fan, so as soon as I heard the song, I'm like, oh my god, this is awesome. I can't wait to play this on the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because They Might Be Giants don't do video game music, so this is the closest I can possibly get. Mm -hmm. But anyways, this whole soundtrack is like uh, that whole Stranger Things, you know, very, very throwback, 80s, mystery, uh, Stephen King movie style stuff. And uh, the whole game is, is gorgeous pixel art great animations. Mm-hmm. You play as two characters called Angela Ray and Antonio Reyes. So, I mean, male, female, they both have kind of the same name. Okay. But they look like Mulder and Scully. And they get to Thimbleweed Park and there's a there's a dead guy and they have to basically uh, solve the mystery of who killed him. But they go around the city and they're talking to police and, and people in, in the town and nobody seems to care that this guy is dead. And then things start getting stranger and stranger. So, you know, it's X-Files meets... Twin Peaks meets, you know, all these other, you know, fringe, that kind of stuff. Multiple characters that you can switch back and forth. They help each other through Seinfeld. puzzles. Uh, no, you're, you're thinking of Day of the Tentacle. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's more Seinfeld, <laughs> definitely. Jerry! <laughs> I don't know what to do! There's I got a, the duct tape, Jerry! There's a dead body here! I don't know what's going on! <laughs> and then Kramer bursts in through the side hey, of the screen. Hey, I heard there's a dead body. <laughs> dead guy? Anyhow, uh, so... 
yeah, it's it's a fantastic game. I it hasn't even been out long enough for me to play that much into because it's it's long and it's it's just a lot of fun. It made like double the amount that they were looking for on Kickstarter, so cool. they got to do full voice acting throughout the entire game. Nice. They got a lot of extra content in there, a lot of extra characters that weren't originally going to be planned for the game. So it's nice that you know when people kick their stuff. When in, people kickstart. When people kick their start in, uh, <laughs> they get lots of cool content. And uh, I'll be sharing actually another game and later on in the show that was a huge Kickstarter success too. So Cool. But this is a game that I definitely recommend if you are a fan of the genre, especially you, Brian. Yeah. Check this game out. I can't wait um, to play it. It looks like Day of the Tentacle. It looks exactly like it. You know, yeah. same same art team. They got a lot of the guys that worked on those old 80s games and 90s games and brought them back to do this whole big kind cool. of revival of the series. And uh, ju- they did it just the way that it needed to be done. So hopefully this is a success and they'll bring out more games like this in the future. Cool. Yeah. So what about Steve Kirk? Steve Kirk is a dude. And this dude is a composer, arranger, guitarist, and singer. He's composed music for video games like Farmville, everybody's favorite mobile title. That had music? Oh yeah, there's background music to really? that. Really? It's very like low-key, but it's just kind of like banjo-y, farmy okay. type stuff. Oh, if you guys have a minute, can you just accept my Farmville? Never! No! <laughs> Never! Blocked! Uh, <laughs> but more popularly, he did the music for Bioware's uh, Star Wars The Old Republic. Okay. And the full soundtrack for Voodoo Vince on the Xbox, which had oh, this fantastic yeah. soundtrack. It's cool. really, really good. Um, he's also done music for films and stuff like The Twisted Tales of Felix the Cat. Sherlock Jr. and Osferatu in Pandora's Box. I thought you were going to say Spike McFang. The Twisted Tales of Spike McFang. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, then he's also got a couple of other albums out, Steve Kirk Pop and Pop Quiz, and uh, he's just done some good stuff. Not too many games, but the games that he's done music for have been um, mostly orchestral soundtracks, but mm-hmm. he just did a really good like 80s throwback for this one. And there's a lot of different variety in the soundtrack for this game, too. It's like... 40-something tracks or something. That's pretty crazy. That's a lot of tracks. It's a lot of music. (laughs) All right. Brian, what's what's the next pick? You know, I can't remember what the next pick is. Oh, no? But I feel like I've had this feeling before. Okay. Oh, it's Deja Vu. Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the name of the game? (sighs) Deja Vu. Deja Vu. No, what's the name of the game? Deja Vu. I know you're getting Deja Vu, but what is the name of the game? Oh, boy. All right, Slappy Squirrel. (laughs) Alright, so the track is called Investigation Theme 1. It's also known as like Indoors and Taxi. And Joe's Bar. And Joe's Bar. And it's by Hiroyuki Masuno.
I was half in the bag when she came in. If this was another dame looking for her cheating husband, I was just gonna lose my memory and wake up in a men's room. And thus, Deja yeah. Vu begins. Deja Vu. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So. Oddly enough, this was one of the few games that was way better on console than it was on PC or Mac, which I think it was originally released for. Yeah, uh, the Mac version was very, there's like, uh, the graphics were very, very small in the middle of the screen. The yeah. screen was already small to begin with. Yeah. And the NES version made it a little more playable, a little more detailed. I think it was in color, too, obviously, yes. for the NES. It yeah. was black yes. and white only on the, uh, on the Mac yeah. SE. The navigation was great. They had that little square in the bottom right corner. Because that's, you know, on consoles, it, point and click adventures were very tedious. Especially and, with the controller, yeah. 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 But that helped everywhere. a lot. Just having, instead of trying to, nav you know, you're holding down the directional pad to, you know, move. So, right. Okay, let me go to the door. Let me go here. No, you just had a very small square and up to the right. You're not pixel hunting or anything. It was fantastic. Yeah. You know, this would have been cool to play with, like, the Super Scope. You just kind of move the cursor around the screen. <laughs> That's I would get very really tiring, though, but that would have been a cool idea. That would have been yeah. I could have made millions. Oh, man. Anyhow, so uh, why did you pick this particular track from the soundtrack? It's my favorite from the soundtrack. Hands down. Uh, it, the soundtrack I feel like is... I've heard it before. Me too. Uh, I just can't remember. Yeah. We're just going to milk this. <laughs> so again, you know, we I think we played a track from the... We played Peoria Streets... Back in the day. Um, I think, Cygnus Destroyer Yeah, picks. Matt Ezra picked it. Yeah. First time he was on. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I, uh, they're both good, but I think this one has a little more... This one's better. ...melody to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sorry. <laughs> You're calling him out. I'm calling him out. Calling, calling out Matt Ezra. Wait, this is, he was, he's the uh, LGN Defender, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This isn't an LGN game. Was he, uh, was he a... No, but this here? is a game he likes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Or a game that everybody likes. We, we had him on yeah, similar yeah. style to having you on, and we had him pick tracks and he picked this track no, or yeah. not this track but he picked another yeah. track he's a similar. huge Hiroyuki yeah. Masuno fan right gotcha. so he wanted to pick something at least you know one or two tracks from him this was one of the if the games I recall didn't he jump on our Facebook or shoot us a Masuno did actually visit did. our Facebook page yeah he thanked us for playing his song on yep. the show. Yep. He answered a couple questions for us. It was really yeah, cool. Yeah, it was and really then, neat. Then he disappeared awesome. and we never heard from yeah, him again. Yeah, we never heard from him. It's a shame because I'd love to have him on yeah. the show. His English so. was really good and yeah. he was very gracious. Really, really nice guy. So, Mr. Masuno, we'd love to have you on. Reach out to us. Call Call me. me. Call me. Wink, wink. Hey. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about Deja Vu. The game before we start. Yeah. You, you, make yeah. Up, you wake up with amnesia yeah. in a men's room. Okay. And you have you look at your face. You have no idea who you are. What's so happened? So Mike's bachelor party. It's basically. Mike's bachelor party. Pretty exactly. much. <laughs> Pretty much. And but there's a there's a dead body. There's a dead body. So just like my bachelor party. Just like party, your bachelor party. Right? If you look through the trench coat yeah. that's in the bathroom with you, there's a gun in it. So and you could tell that okay, it's been fired. or There's some bolts missing or something like that. So you don't know what happened. Were you defending yourself? Did I kill somebody? Boy, I really am having deja vu. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, you know, you piece together the clues as you go along. And, yeah. you know, things start becoming familiar to you. And that's why they call it deja vu. Because yeah. you start remembering things as you go through the whole game. There is a fantastic Iron Maiden song called Deja Vu. So that's Hooray. my contribution to this, this episode. This the podcast! <laughs> but seriously, I mean, Masuno's soundtrack really, I think, makes yes. this game because it's so film noir. It's just so relaxing. Yeah, bluesy and, and smoky yeah, sounding, yeah. very slow. Yeah. Which is harder to do on the NES because you have limited channels. It's not like, you know, for example, Side Pocket, which we've, we've talked about 
oodles of times that it's like the quintessential like smoky jazz hmm. bar On soundtrack. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I think, well, because with, with Deja Vu and that kind of game, like Shadowgate, you don't have a lot of sound effects. Right. You know, you're mostly just moving the mouse around the screen and clicking mm-hmm. on things, so you don't have to worry about... You know, keeping a channel by itself right. for sound effects or cutting a channel out whenever one plays. Yeah. You need so, something simple, repetitive, but also keeps you engaged. Yeah. And I think this track does a really good job with that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. I, I think I rented it when I was little, still living like with my parents, like 12, 13 years old, so, and having a lot of fun with it. You got to understand, so as I said earlier in the podcast, I'm not a fan of these games, but I, I feel like I know of them only because of Brian, because I used to go over <laughs> I, when when Brian and I were in college. Brian was going to a college that was down the road from my college, so he lived in an apartment and I lived in the dorms. And I didn't have a car, so he would come and pick me up and we'd hang out at his apartment. And I mean, I would spend like total like full weekends there. We yeah. would just like hang out and play video games. Like the GameCube had just come out, so I was like knee deep in playing like Batman Vengeance and Smash yeah. Brothers Melee and all that type of stuff. And Brian was on the computer, and he'd be usually playing some like weird, obscure like NES games, like Kabuki Quantum Fighter or Journey of the Silius, and you know those types of games. And you know he would play games like Deja Vu and uh, Nightshade and those types of games, and I would look at him and be like, "Why are you playing this? This looks so boring." And he's like, "Oh, it's amazing!" So like all these memories always come flooding back to me whenever I hear either Deja Vu or Nightshade because I know those are two like really mm-hmm. big titles for you. Yeah, yeah. Nightshade was a lot of fun. It kind of had that cartoony, like you were tied up yeah, and there was yeah. a bomb behind you. You're tied to a conveyor like, belt. Who framed or... Roger Rabbit a little bit? A little bit. Yeah, yeah. the game. Yeah, very. Very slapstick yeah. kind yeah. of slapstick stuff. noir. Yeah, slapstick noir. <laughs> yeah. There is a genre. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Anyhow, so uh, let's move on to our next track. Objection! Deny. Hold it! All right. <laughs> our next track is from an awesome game. This is one of my favorite and first visual novel games I ever played. Ace Attorney Phoenix Wright. This is actually the sequel, Justice for All, which came out for the Nintendo DS in 2002. The track is called Announce the Truth, and it's by Naoto Tanaka. Objection! Cornered! 
Deja vu. Oh, wait. Okay. <laughs> that was Ace Attorney Phoenix Wright Justice for All for the Nintendo DS. came out in 2002. The track was Announce the Truth. And it's by Naoto Tanaka. Who also went by, uh, or goes by the name Akemi Kimura nowadays. Okay. Just okay. for research sake. Interesting. I started playing the Phoenix Wright games on the DS. They originally came out on the Game Boy Advance, and then they got moved over because it made sense. I mean, they, they came out in Game Boy Advance in Japan only. Yeah. And then they brought them over uh, to the DS because it was just, the DS was made for visual Right, novels. it almost feels like this game came out too early. Oh, absolutely. For the game, you know, on absolutely. Game Boy Advance. So they bumped up the music quality a little bit. They bumped up some of the visual aspects a little bit. Not much. It's not like they completely redid no. the sprites or anything like that. Just made it more user-friendly with, right. with the stylus. And in the first game, they actually added an additional scenario where you meet some whole new a whole It was new like a little training kind of a deal. Almost. Well, it was like a whole new cast of characters that you got introduced to that were different so the Phoenix Wright series stars Phoenix Wright. He's an attorney. And uh, the whole point of the game is you're playing as this attorney who's trying to prove the innocence of the people who are going into trial. So there's a prosecutor named Miles Edgeworth, and he is kind of like a good guy, but also kind of like a bad guy. I don't know. I get a weird, like, Mega Man Zero, like a Mega Man X Zero vibe with those yeah. two. Well, I mean, it's with, like the with, Vegeta. With lawyers, <laughs> it's like... With, with lawyers and, and, like, law dramas and stuff, like, you know, two people can be just good people and right. and enjoy each other's company, right. but then they have to act against each other in the, exactly. in the, in the room. So, and, and that's what, kind of what this is. Yeah, a exactly. Lot of, so, they're rivals. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you pick this particular track I from the game? I absolutely love this track. So, to, to kind of bring it down to the nitty-gritty, I, I love the building atmosphere that this track builds, and it just kind of brings this, like like raw feel to it where you're just like oh man like something's gonna go down like yeah. it's very tense and a lot of the music in in ace in the ace attorney games is very intense and it's very like focused on uh jumping from either really fast crazy like you know like objection like okay we're gonna you know jump on and start talking about what's happening with the case and then there'll be other moments where you will be just be investigating and the music will be a lot more like kind of jazzy, kind of smooth jazz, a lot more like the, you know, the Nightshade type uh, games, Deja Vu, those yeah, types. Low of intensity games. stuff. Right, pretty much. Uh, but this track in particular, it, it's kind of like a mix of both of those feelings because you've got this melody that is is very Castlevania-esque and it's kind mm. of like building up. And then when that harmony kicks in with the different octaves, just like really nails it home. And I also love those sleigh bells too. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you know, the beginning of the song where it kind of builds up, yeah. the, the composition doesn't change at all, but all, all he does is remove those sleigh bells and put in a snare. Snare, hand, yeah. And it gives the song a whole different whole feel different without feel. changing anything but the percussion. Yeah, it's a yeah. really cool technique. Yeah, definitely. Brilliant. <laughs> the sleigh bells chilled me to the bone. They actually, yeah. I, I love how they, it wasn't in a cheesy way, it right. wasn't like a jingle no, bell kind no. of way, it was like, Shah! you know? Yeah, it like, wasn't like a winter kind of feel, because no. a lot of sleigh bell tracks, which we've talked about on the three winter tracks episodes that we've done, yeah. they feel very like, oh, oh, you're including sleigh bells? Okay, so it's a winter track. Very cliche. Right. And this doesn't feel that way at all when it comes to Phoenix Wright. So, great game. I recommend playing all of them. They are all fantastic. I haven't played, honestly, past uh, the third one because uh, I beat the first one, beat the second one, 
and then I started playing the third one. Mm -hmm. The third one's a bit of a prequel, and then they did another one that was like seven years later, and mm -hmm. you're not playing as Phoenix Wright, and Phoenix Wright is like a hobo mm -hmm. or something like that. They had an anime, too. <laughs> yeah, they did have an anime, uh, and they had a live-action movie, a Japanese live-action movie, which is supposedly really good. So if you guys are into, you know, Phoenix Wright, go check it out. And there's Phoenix Wrong, who's like yeah. the Wario to Mario. Oh, you know. boy. Uh, last time <laughs> I... I the case for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I played a track off of, I believe it was the first game. Yeah. And the track was cornered off episode 27 of Pixel Tunes. So if you want more Phoenix Wright goodness, go back to that episode. And this one, you're um, fighting against uh, Francisca Von Karma, who is like the rival prosecutor. So she kind of comes in and she's very like this like German sounding kind of like, oh, I'm going to, you know, beat you up with my like, dominatrix flail. Kind of deal. Yeah, she's got this weird like dominatrix vibe yeah. to her and she's got like this like, um, does she have a whip and she's like, yeah, or like a riding cane, a yeah, crop. A, a, a crop, riding crop, that's it. Yeah, it's, it's just ridiculous. So <laughs> the whole game is great chemistry, really fun characters. And so if you're looking for like a point, I guess you can say a point and click adventure, but more with like really vibrant and fun characters and wacky stuff that happens, definitely Phoenix Wright is the game for you. It's more so. like a point and litigate adventure. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're going around finding clues and stuff, and you pretty much have to like... You, know, you can rotate them and examine yeah, them, and you know, yeah. it's, it's good stuff. It's cool, because you're like gathering evidence, and then after you gather the evidence, then you can mm -hmm. kind of counter, you know, like... You, you feel know, like a real law person. Yeah, pretty much. You find the contradictions, you catch people in their lies. Yeah. yeah. So, speaking of lawyers, our next track is about a clown. Uh, <laughs> this one's called Dropsy, and it came out on the PC in 2015. Uh, we're going from They Might Be Giants to a little bit of Devo. This one is called Mother's Ball on the Beach, and it's from Chris Schlarb. was Mother's Ball on the Beach from Dropsy, which came out, uh, I think, originally on the PC in 2015, composed by Chris Schlarb. No, that, that's not true. 
Slarbo? No, that was Devo. Slarbo the Clown. That was pretty much Devo. We are Devo. It was like Lounge Devo. Uh-huh. Uh, and obviously called Mother's Ball on the beach. Mark Mother's Ball was the founder of Devo. Um, that da 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 It's very, we very Devo. Devo. Yeah. Um, Slarbo. <laughs> but it had kind of a more summery feel. I mean, Devo's kind of like post punk meets like 80s pop and this New is wave. kind of like a little more jazzy flavored uh, but those chords are definitely definitely devo i like the like the Rhodes piano and the and the, the saxophone playing like the same notes at the same time in two different ears it gives you like a very very cool tone to it what'd you think of this brian you were kind of jamming along to it yeah i liked it yeah it was good quite stuff a, quite a bit. Yeah, it's cool because this is a it's a new game it's 2d it's all pixel art but thank goodness for once they didn't do new like chip tunes for. I mean, not that I don't like chip tunes, but just seeing pixel art with music like this is kind of like it's refreshing. It's refreshing. It's it's a nice change of pace, especially when you're playing this kind of a of a game where you hear these themes over and over and over again. Dropsy is a game about uh, this clown named Dropsy. Named Dropsy. Uh, Dropsy, by the way, is an old term for edema which is where your ankles swell up because of retention of fluid, because mm. of low blood pressure, etc. So Dropsy is this very kind of swollen, he's like a, I guess he's like maybe in his teens or 20s, but he, he doesn't, he's a little different, like he doesn't really speak, he's mute. He like a diabetic Krusty the Clown? <laughs> That's what the vibe I'm getting. Yeah, but more like, like oh boy, bloaty the clown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He acts like he's like kind of like maybe somewhere on the spectrum. So, so he doesn't have any fingers. So he just has arms. Okay. Um, he's like bald. He's always in clown makeup. So you, to the point where you don't know if that's what he really looks like. Like he falls mm. asleep and wakes up. He's still on the clown makeup. He has these horrible nightmares when he goes to bed. So it's the movie Vulgar. I've never seen it. Yeah, me either. Kevin Sorry. Smith movie. Okay. <laughs> but but he's a but he's a good guy. So you know he he traverses through this world, and uh, his dad's very sick, and he's just basically trying to get him better. But and to to do this, he needs to solve all these problems, and he goes up to people, and there's no words in the game whatsoever. It's all thought bubbles so you'll see a person talking to you you won't hear any words coming out of their mouth but you'll see in a thought bubble like a, a a brief like picture of a flower or some rain clouds or like the mood that they're in and then maybe a picture of the kind of thing that they need to make them happy so it's like a more annoying banjo kazooie uh well yeah without all the collectathon stuff <laughs> But like like I said, with the whole like kind of on the spectrum thing, like you kind of get the, you feel like, and Brendan and I were talking about this because he played a little bit of it, you get the feel that like this is how this character understands things. Like he doesn't understand every word people are saying, but he can kind of uh, understand them through their body language and their, their grasp the basic concept. And so a lot of the challenge of the game is trying to figure out what these people need, um, how to make them happy, what you can gain from that. And eventually you kind of work your way towards getting your father to be better and, and kind of learning the truth about yourself and why you're so different from everybody that you meet. So it's it's a lot of fun. There's really good art, really this good animation. so depressing. It's, it's, it's weird. <laughs> it's it's weird. It gets depressing. It's got some really dark moments. Oh boy. But the ending is it's nice. It kind of wraps everything up and, and it's 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 a good play. Um it's uh, by a creator named Jay Thalen. Okay. And uh, this, I think this is his first indie game, but he's got a couple other ones in the works, uh, a couple on Kickstarter right now. So, I, you know, and this is something that I, I'm curious to know if other people feel the way that I do when it comes to a game like this, because I, I really don't see why people would want to play a game 
that has is really depressing moments. And like, it, I'm not talking about like if your favorite character gets killed. You know what I mean? Like, we're we're not talking about that. We're okay. we're talking about like if you're playing a video game and the game is like has these like really like realistically sad moments like all these games with like people that are like have cancer in the game mm. like that type of stuff and it's just like the real world to me is just so crippling and so awful at points it's like i i personally can't play games that are like that have this strong like basis of like depression yeah you know what i mean, I, mean? I, I think for a lot of people it helps them with their own okay. issues, okay, you know, I can like see that. if you yeah. have problems in your life, you kind of um, it helps you put things in perspective. Okay, or you can say, "Hey, I'm not the only one facing these issues." Yeah, that kind of a thing. So, you know, I guess I could see that. I don't know. I'm, I, I I kind of like those kind of games, like Life is Strange, which is mm -hmm. another awesome point and click adventure that I wanted to play something from, but it's all licensed music. Right. I have no mouth, and I must scream is like that too, where yeah. you have to face your problem, your psychological problems okay. head on. Okay. To make progress, in right, the game. right, huh. uh, to, or okay. to get the good ending. Yeah, yeah. Yes. it's it's not for everybody. Sure. Um, but I think with this game in particular, it's that it's it's Dropsy's always smiling. He's always got this huge smile on his face. So it's like not creepy, but it's like it's a little creepy. It's creepy. But it's, creepy. <laughs> it's creepy, but <laughs> it's not a little creepy. But it's creepy. At the beginning of the game, you're creeped out by him because okay. he's different. He but he helps so many people. And one of the ways that you get one of the achievements for the game is whenever you help somebody out, you give them this big bear hug. Okay. And they always get very happy from the bear hug. You solve their problems. Cool. When you go back to his circus tent and his bed, he's got a little race car bed, which is adorable. Okay. Um, you, you collect hugs. So every time uh, you hug somebody, uh, like a crayon drawing of them appears on the wall behind oh, the cool. bed. Yeah. So you have to collect this whole wall full of like, you know, 120 something hugs or whatever. And you can hug inanimate objects mm -hmm. and like... So it's it's you know you see that he really uh, his motivation is making people happy and and he he becomes more of an adorable character more than okay. a creepy character after you after you've played through the game okay a bit yeah because it's it's I'm getting a real creepster vibe people aren't creeped out by him though right 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 you know some people yeah. are kind of scared of him but then yeah. after he helps them they mm -hmm. they come around to him yeah 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 but okay. anyways it, it's a, it's a lot of fun uh, I would recommend it uh, the, the soundtrack is absolutely amazing mm -hmm. it's normally like three or four piece like jazz but then there's also some really like during the depressing parts, they get like really like grunge metal kind of stuff. Okay. There's a little blurb from Chris Schlarb that he put on his Bandcamp where you can buy the album, and he says, "A few years ago, my friend Jay Thelen asked me to write music for his adventure game about a mute, handless clown named Dropsy. We talked about junkyards and circus tents. We looked at photos of open country roads and graffiti and neon lights. Jay showed me his early pixel landscapes, and it made me think perhaps video games represented a type of modern folk art, which is kind of like what we were just talking right, about, more right or less." On. He embraced the limitations of the medium and created something honest and beautiful. I wanted to do the same with the soundtrack. Hmm. So he also goes on to say the themes for Dropsy were composed almost entirely on piano, and after months of preparation, he booked a single 12-hour recording session Woof. and tried to leave enough space for each musician to contribute their own voice. Everyone looked at the images Jay provided, and we talked about the different locations inside the game. I can hear the subliminal influence of Joe Raposo's early music for Sesame Street, uh, and I hear the mechanical pop of Devo and the doom metal of Earth. I hear the limitations working their magic. The music is alive. So 
he's really in tune with the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely hear that kind of Sesame Street vibe, and a lot of the songs in this are very like twinkly piano stuff with mm -hmm. like you know brush drums. So it goes from really fun to really depressing, depending on you know where you are in the game. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah, Chris also his his uh, other claim to fame as far as video game music goes was Night Sky, which is kind of an acclaimed award-winning game that came out on Steam a while ago, and the soundtrack was was really good for that. Right. Now that's well. the one where you can see the background clearly, but all like the foreground, the characters are all black, like shadow mm. silhouette. Yeah. Silhouette. Yeah. That's, oh. yeah. Thank you. Okay. It was, it was a really kind of unique and fun, very beautiful game. Uh, audio and uh, Your beautiful and visual. Game. Nice. Aw, thanks. <laughs> All right, so I'm done with my stuff. Let's move on to the next one. All right, so we got Brian's next pick, which is Carandia 2 Hand of Fate. And the track is just called Credits. And again, it's by Frank Klepacki. Right on. So this song to me is kind of like Luther Vandross making love. Yes! To, to <laughs> yes! Luther Vandross? <laughs> yes! 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 Yes. Uh, that was Carandia 2, Hand of Fate. The track was Credits. It's by Frank Klopaki. And Luther Vandross. And Luther, and Luther Vandross. Vandross. Featuring Luther <laughs> Yeah. I love Luther Vandross, yeah. so I'm okay with that. Yeah, no, this, yeah definitely reminded me of him after you said that. I, I just did, before we start talking about the rest of the stuff, one or two, mm. um, I usually say this with MIDI songs, because your version, if you are familiar with this game, your mileage may vary with how this song sounds. Uh, there are a million different MIDI font, sound fonts and sound cards that you could use with this particular track, because it's a MIDI conversion. So... That being said, don't blame me if it doesn't sound like how you're used to. Anyway, I loved it. I loved how the dare version you. you picked. <laughs> how yeah. dare you? You know, this was a whole ploy to just inject more Frank Klopaki in your podcast. Right. But the more I, the better, man. I honestly thought, I mean, I had a lot of picks. LucasArts, I thought I was going to have a lot. Sierra. I uh, figured you'd Gabriel take, like, Knight. Day of the Tentacle or yes, Maniac well, Mansion. I wanted to do, well, Maniac Mansion was on the short list. I wanted okay. to do Dave's theme. But Day of the Tentacle as well. 
I mm. love the songs. Way too ambient. Yeah. yeah. You had like, and then silence. And then like, then like some like the wind chimes. I feel like a banana peel should come in there like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just I, I feel like I, this track is seriously like a slow jam. This is oh, like yeah. put this on when you're naked in the bubble bath with your with your lover of choice and gender. I don't know. And uh, like it's you, like a vending machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the mail order bride. Ah, I want the arm to be female, but one boob. one hairy arm and one one arm. one boob. Are you like... making a lover or a monster? <laughs> Frankenwife. Frankenwife. <laughs> Frank Klopacky. Frank. Oh boy. <laughs> Frank wife packy. And 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 you you know, you're in the bathtub, you got the bubbles going, you got the chocolate syrup in your hand, you know. Yeah. Pouring some wine in that dish. Drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. We don't need to talk about right. Frank Klopacky. Right. No, we don't. No. Because we did. So, so uh, this game. Yeah, how does Carandia 2 differ from Carandia 3? It's a, it's got more classic feel to it. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it has more class. It's more class. It does. It, well, you're, it not does the ba- you're not the bad guy. You're, you're not, not a jerk guy, in this yeah. game. So, yeah. It's, it's, that's good. That's good. What I what I liked about this game versus Carandia 3 was it was classic pixel art. Carandia 3 came out when 3D animation right. was kind of just coming in. And the they had some 90s, really bad, 90s, just 90s. awful 3D cutscenes for the sake of 3D. Right, yeah. right, right. Retro was, well, not retro, but pixel art was becoming... FMV for the sake of FMV. Yeah, and then yeah. And pixel art was going by the wayside. Nobody wanted that anymore because mm-hmm. everybody had that. Now it's, you know, now it's cool. Yeah. It's um, like the resurgence of adventure. Yeah, days. so they were trying to steer away from that when they did this game. Right. Yeah. Going. Kind of plays like a Sierra game, oddly enough. Yeah. Even though I think Westwood did the whole series, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, yeah but Sierra, I mean, they were obviously influential. They okay. kind of innovated the genre. Like, the very right. first King's Quest games kind of like were the first games where you could move a character around the screen and interact with things. Mm-hmm. So most of the games that we're playing today, you know, owe lots to, to Sierra. Sierra Online yeah. and the original online core. Yeah, it's pretty much like Sierra, LucasArts, and... I don't know. Well, Telltale nowadays. Telltale, yeah, yeah that's know. true. That's true. Uh, now, yeah, Wajedi Games. Deodalic. Deodalic. All right, well, let's move into our next track. So I've got a little game for you called Police Knots, and it's on the PlayStation 3DO in 1995. It was released in 1996 on the Sega Saturn. And this track is called Criminal Investigation Part 1. It's by Tapi Iwase Masahiro Ikariko, Motoaki Furukawa, and Kozo Nakamura. Munch on some delicious police nuts. What? <laughs> police nuts!
Welcome back. That was Police Knots, which came out on the PlayStation and 3DO in 1995, the Saturn in 1996. Track was called Criminal Investigation Part 1. It's by Tapi Iwase, Masahiro Ikariko, Motowaki Furukawa, and Kozo Nakamura. Whole bunch of good Konami guys. Yeah. Pretty much little all-star team it's, there. It's weird because when you look up this game and the soundtrack, in most cases you're just going to see it say the Konami Kukeha Club. Yeah. Which, it's so not specific because there were so <laughs> many members of the Kukeha Club. Yeah, it's like saying Zuntato. Like right. anybody could Yeah, be pretty much. Or like the, the SS band. Yeah, yeah or whatever. Tease music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, how do they relate to the Barons? The Barons? <laughs> they're the they're the squids. <laughs> yeah, they're the squids. Yeah, it's like a whole uh, West Side Story thing. Right. <laughs> so Police Knots is basically lethal weapon in space, I guess. More or less. Yeah. yeah. You play as in the future. Yeah, I mean, you play as these two characters that are basically Merton Riggs. So if you've seen Lethal Weapon, the movie, you've seen... Yeah, well, I mean, it's... <laughs> it's played. Again, it's Hideo Kojima. <laughs> this is like a spiritual sequel to Snatcher. Right. Kojima, oh, he loves adding movie references mm-hmm. into his games. And, yeah. you know, this was probably the most blatant... Uh, unofficially licensed movie tie-in that he's, he's done at any point where yeah. the main characters are other movie characters. <laughs> this also came out on the PC-98, the PlayStation 3, the PSP, and the PS Vita, uh, but pretty much like ports. Yeah. Uh, but like not like reimagined ports for those systems. It was just like a virtual Straight console up. sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we have never, I don't think, ever got this game in the States, which no. is a shame. But there are some fantastic fan translations yes. for, the, for the PlayStation and, and Saturn versions. I actually have one. I made my first burned game. Yay! Yeah. Well, uh, patched burned yeah, game. Yeah, patched burned game. I had to... Uh, pa- yeah, that's right, because I made Sega CD games previously, but this one I had to patch... For the Saturn, the only thing I have left to do is get an action replay so I can actually play it. Right, right. Uh, because it's a pretty involved process to yeah, patch this one. Yeah, it's 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 easy. I will say if you've got basic computer skills right. and can follow instructions. Stuff. Right. There is a website devoted to police knots. That's where I found the fan translation. So go there, check it out. They do recommend that you get an actual copy of the game. You don't really have to, but I I mean I personally would recommend mm-hmm. just as a backup having a copy of the game. It makes it a heck of a lot easier. You don't have to hunt down the ISO. Yeah. And if you don't, you could get Busted. <laughs> Busted. So, uh, yeah. I That's just, a bootleg. Yeah. <laughs> it's a reproduction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, this game soundtrack is just real chill. I mean, we, we were talking about it during the break, and it's pretty much like uh, Ed was saying, it's like a an updated version of the Deja Vu soundtrack, and I can totally feel that. It's just got that smooth, slick, Film jazz bass yeah. line. You know, real chill, real subtle, but also just, like, really... Just groovy, you know. It's got a nice groove to it. It's like the perfect music for Criminal Investigation, which is what the track is named after. Exactly. I love the soundtrack. Yeah. The, the title music was on my short list. Oh, really? But I did ultimately decide it was too slow for the intro and too, and too long. long. Yeah. Too long. It's like a seven to eight minute track. Yeah. So I was like, nope. It's this whole animated <laughs> sequence that introduces the whole world of the game. Yeah. And, you know. So. Yeah. It's a pretty in depth story, and it also features some characters from Metal Gear. Actually, Metal Gear Solid. Meryl Silverberg actually makes a right. uh, uh, appearance in the game, and there's a lot of like Metal Gear esque things that kind of make appearances. Like I think like the Fox Hound logo uh, shows up at yep. some point. Yep, it so, does. Yeah, I haven't. Like I said, I only started this one and I watched the intro cutscene, and that was it. So I'm really looking forward to playing this one when I do manage to find an action replay. So 
Yeah. Kojima's the master of cross-marketing. Yes. I just wish these games would come out in the States, like, officially. Like, you know, even, like, bring them on to, like, Virtual Console or yeah. bring them on to, like, a I just, PlayStation you know, Network, you know? For I think for them, the, the translation would just be too much. Too much, yeah. Way too, too much. Too long, so yeah. they just let fans do it. Yeah, and pretty much. So you gotta take advantage of those. Yeah. And the fans are diehard for these uh, Hideo Kojima adventure games so yeah it's good stuff but yeah it's like a visual novel it also can be played with the gun but also you can play it with the mouse Sega Saturn mouse so which only came out in Japan I think yeah I believe so but it works with the you know the regular console so if you have a US console you could still use it we talked about Kazuki Muraoka he did sound production on this one we talked about a little earlier. Uh, one name we didn't touch on, which we've talked about in the past, is Tapi Iwase. Uh, he also goes by Tappy. So he's done, uh, he did Gravity Rush 2, which uh, that's a sequel to the game that I'm currently obsessed with right now, Gravity Rush 1. He did the drums on that. Uh, he worked on a lot of Beat Mania games, like Beat Mania, Beat Mania, Append Third Mix. He did the main theme composition and performed the main theme composition for Metal Gear Solid. He did Gambare Goemon games, Suikoden, Lethal Enforcers. Uh, he did a game called Contra 3 The Alien Wars, which some of, of you may or may not have heard of. He's kind of a Konami guy. He just recently jumped ship to work directly with Sony. Fantastic. But that's it. Cool. So, what do you got next for Next up, uh, probably one of the most famous modern era point-and-click adventure games. Even I've heard of this one. Yes, it's called Broken Age. It's from Double Fine Studios. This is Shay's Secret Mission, and this is composed by uh, also another name we need to talk about when point-and-click games are concerned, Peter McConnell. Secrets. Secrets. Secrets.
And we're back. If you guys haven't fallen asleep yet. What? What? Uh, what? <laughs> that was uh, Shay's Secret Mission from Broken Age, which came out on the PC, I think officially on the PC in 2014, uh, mm. composed by Peter McConnell. And uh, yeah, a nice little spy. Has that spy vibe. Yeah, I like how they use like the piano and the violin as the percussion. And we get like kind of little clanky noises here and there. Once in a while you get like a little sample played backwards. Kind of like little glitchy things here Uh, and there. They threw in a cello and an oboe. Those are two of my favorite classical music instruments. They just have such a rich feeling to them that it it really brings like a, a, a crisp vibrance to pretty much any track that yeah. has them. They always remind me of like the Looney Tunes and like the, the mm-hmm. old Disney cartoons where they, they kind of really focus those for, for movement, characters right. stepping and moving from yeah, one place yeah. to dun, another. Dun, 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 dun. Exactly. <laughs> when that oboe comes in, that's just classic Grim Fandango, exactly. right. Day of the Tentacle, yeah, yeah. like that LucasArts, yep. double fine feel. To, I love it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Peter McConnell did compose on Grim Fandango, so there you go. Actually, um, our pals over at Pixelated Audio did do an interview with Peter McConnell a while back, and it, oh, was, cool. it was really informative. He's done games like Hearthstone, Heroes of Warcraft, Plants vs. Zombies, Garden Warfare, uh, most of the Sly Cooper series. So a lot of newer stuff. Yeah, Star Wars The Old Republic, uh, Psychonauts, mostly like a lot of the Tim Schafer games. So right. Psychonauts, Brutal Legend, and then Grim Fandango, obviously. And then he also was an in-house composer at LucasArts back in the day and did stuff like Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and Monkey Island. So Well, wasn't Tim Schafer an ex-employee uh, of yes. LucasArts? Yeah, oh yeah, That's Tim, Tim Schafer created Mani- or co-created Maniac Mansion. Right, right, right. Which brings us to why this game is so famous, because this game kind of put video games on Kickstarter on the map. Okay. You know, before this... I think I remember hearing uh, about you know, this they, one. Tim Schafer started. He's like, I want to do this game. It's going to be point-and-click adventure. People went berserk over mm-hmm. it. They wanted $400,000. Uh, within the month, they raised $3.45 million. <laughs> 87,000 backers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely absurd. They, they broke all their stretch goals and then right. had to add on additional stretch yeah, goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got so much voice talent. Elijah Wood was in there. Oh, wow. Uh, Jack Black... Cool. Uh, Will Wheaton did a voice. Jennifer Hale. So it's like they just got all these stars. <laughs> Jennifer Hale does every voice. Every female. I know, voice. <laughs> but she's talented. You oh, know? absolutely. So, yeah. You know, they yeah. were able to pay her to, to to do all the like hours and hours of voice work because everything in this game is is fully fully voiced. It's weird though because whenever I hear Jennifer Hale's voice. I think of the character that she voiced, uh, the the main character in Saints Row, in Saints Row 3 and 4. Uh, okay. So, like, whenever I hear her in stuff that's not Saints Row, I'm like, oh, she's playing as my character. Like, <laughs> it just brings me back to that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jack Black plays this weird bird-like uh, guy, guy basically in a bird suit. So like, Elijah Wood. Uh, yeah, bird yeah. person. Yeah. Bird person. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's obviously Jack Black's voice. So, you know, the really famous voice actors, they kind of take you out of the... You're going to get an angry call from Jack Black and Elijah Wood's people. I would be happy. That's fine with me. <laughs> you know, this game is cool and it's unique because it follows two separate characters in two separate storylines. And so one is a, is a girl who's living in a village and uh, part of their like, uh, every so often they have this big festival and they put these like three or four maidens up like they tie them to a pole out okay. like on the shore and this monster comes up out of the water and chooses one to like take as okay. a sacrifice. Okay. And so she's chosen as one of these maidens 
and she doesn't want to do it. She doesn't see why it needs to be done. Uh, the Mog Chathra is, I think, the, if I remember correctly, the so name of the giant monster. It's very Clash of the titans Yeah, kind of, but she, she decides she doesn't want to. She wants to figure out why this is happening. It's just mm-hmm. been one of those things where it's always happened. So she, her adventure is figuring out what Mog Chathra is, why she needs to, you know, what's the purpose behind this festival. And then the other half is this boy named Shay, and Shay's on... Uh, this big mechanical spaceship and he's like in the future and he's treated like a kid he's the only living being on that ship uh, that he's aware of and his mom is like this like little uh, face that appears in the sun and is like good morning Shay and like they treat him like a three year old like Teletubbies and and he goes on all of yeah very similar to that <laughs> not a baby face but a grown woman face right right that's creepy um, but he, they have all these little like play areas set up for him where he goes on these like fake adventures so your goal is to kind of like break these adventures so that he can get into areas of the ship where he's not supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And so, but then, and that's the first half of the game. And the second half is these two characters through plot devices switch places. Mm. So Vela is on the ship and Shay is in the village. And so they then have to figure out how to get back to where they, it's it's a really cool concept. You know, mm. you play two separate games and then you play those two environments again with different characters in a completely different way. It was really, really well done. Mm. There was a lot of backlash because I guess it wasn't as much of a point-and-click adventure, like traditional point-and-click adventure, as people thought it was going to be because it was Tim Schafer. But I didn't go into that with those expectations. Yeah, so I really enjoyed it. If I recall, I remember reading about uh, people being very upset about how this game turned out. Like yeah. they were expecting so much more, and for like three point something million dollars, they were they were expecting like a bigger and more like deeper richer experience and like I think I they thought only... it was fantastic I didn't have any of those complaints I myself I, I can't remember what fantastic it was. artwork obviously fantastic music and great voice is, acting there's only one Broken Age game there's not multiple Broken Age was released in you know that part one and part two so right. they kind of came out as a, that's what a it was sequel. like if you didn't if you didn't back the project I think mm-hmm. you could purchase them separately right but if you did back it then you, you just them got both. them both for free that's I think what it was I think people were upset about the fact that they released in episodes and not as one complete game or something like that. I don't know. I can't remember. It, well, the development time did take a long time. Yeah, yeah, And so yeah. I think that was a lot of issue, too. You know, so that's just part of the nature of Kickstarter. Like, I just... Uh, the Battle Princess Madeline just finished uh, the, their Kickstarter. Hmm. And, you know, I backed that. And it's like, you know, going into a Kickstarter that you're going to be waiting two, three years before the game releases. I mean, I think really only Shovel Knight was the only game that released within, like, I think a year. So... And do you really want them to rush the process? That's how E.T. happened. No, I know, yeah. And, uh, you know, it wasn't like Double Fine didn't keep people in the dark. They Mm -hmm. released, like... Well produced videos, you know, they would show the voice actors mm-hmm. doing their parts. That's cool. They would show the art off. They would interview people. You know, mm-hmm. they would release these backer updates yeah. very regularly, and they were full of really cool. That's content. good. Yeah, that's really all I ever ask when it comes to Kickstarters. Yeah. I just want to be updated. Like, I'm still waiting on my physical rewards for Shantae, yeah. and I haven't gotten them. And I got the game. The game's pretty fun. So it just happens. You just got to expect yeah. when it comes to Kickstarter. And some companies handle it better than others. I mean, yeah. we've seen that in the news many, many times. Yeah. Where- We've heard the good, we've heard the bad. Exactly. So it's a crapshoot. Facts of life. Different strokes. The good, the bad, and the ugly. No, that was not an 80s show. We're just playing free association (laughs) here. Oh, boy. All right, let's move on. What do we got next? We've got Brian's pick. Uh This is his final pick. This is from Sam and Max, Hit the Road. 
and the track is called Pleasantly Understated Credit Sequence, and it's by Michael Z. Land, Peter McConnell, who we just heard from, and Eric Willemunder. Xylophone solo. <laughs> so you thought I was going to say dat upright bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I did want to say. I thought you were going to say dat chips ahoy song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yes. Right? Yeah. Especially that drum breakdown. Good stuff. Uh, Sam and Max hit the road. That track was called Pleasantly Understated Credit Sequence. That was Brian's final pick, and that was by Michael Zeland, Peter McConnell, and Eric Wilmunder. What a great game. I've only yeah. played season one on the Wii. And those, are the, those are, yeah, different different series of right, games. Right, right, right. Yeah. Still same characters. I know they had the cartoon as well. I mean, Sam and Max was like this mm-hmm. weird, like, it tried to be kind of like the tick as far as the cartoon. Like, it gave off that tick vibe, but like detective Agency kind of. It was like wacky noir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's goofy fun. It has been done. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I, I remember playing the season one game on the Wii, and I think I got to the second part, like the second mission. Like I did the training, I did the first mission, mm-hmm. and then I did the second mission, and I was in the middle of the second mission. And I was like, mm, I'm bored. I don't mm-hmm. know. Like I said, these games take, it, it takes a lot to capture me uh, when it comes to these types of games. It, I gotta love the characters instantly. Understandable. And, and these these characters are really great. They yeah. are a lot of fun. The two of them. The rest of the characters are kind of annoying, but 
That's just me. I love how they play off of each other. Mm. Like, you know, you can use duct tape, you can use this or that, yeah. you can use Max, and it's always some <laughs> zany, questionable action. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of like in Full Throttle, where, you know, my favorite part is where you're in the bar, and you're talking to the bartender, he's this big dude, he's got like a nose ring, mm -hmm. and you're like, you know what looked better on your nose? Boof, the bar. And, 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 and it's, like, it's like every action with Max yeah. is like that. You're doing like gratuitous violence. Yeah, it's a meme somehow yes. every single yeah. time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. But, but you know, uh, Max is this little white rabbit and he's like the wacky kind of like dirty one, I guess. He's yeah. the mic. And then, and then um, um, <laughs> I was just going to stop. You got the and, straight man and yep. you got the wacky like kid yeah. who's just... <laughs> Somehow has a job, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so you're the you're the stuck up detective, then. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, who's that? But Sam? he's got a Sam. Yeah. yeah but he's got a sense of humor too. Like he does. They'll riff off each other. Yeah. But then Max will do this insane stuff, and, and Sam is like, "What?" He's a lot more <laughs> subtle, like in everything that he kind of says and right, does. Right. And sarcasm. So, yeah. And, yeah. Definitely funny, but definitely the more straight man of the two. Yeah. So yeah. One, one of my favorite gags in the original game. Right is there's like a street corner and they have a shop and if you look at the shop it's like guns liquor and baby needs <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a lot of really great humor yeah in, a lot of satire games. too yeah so uh yeah originally it was a comic book and the, yeah. but but it became much much more successful as a game than a, right. than a comic yeah. same as the bone series right it's very similar style yeah exactly yeah. bone was a little more Traditional, I guess it wasn't as much of a like detective kind of a story mm -hmm. as him and Max was. I mean, the, the track itself is is great. I mean, I, I like this kind of big band type of music. It's not yeah. something I would like throw on and listen to in the car. I, I feel like it needs a little bit more guitar yeah. in there, like you know the you know like more like uh, Brian Snippy. Yeah, or I was gonna say Brian Setzer, like a '50s rock. Yeah, kind of a, like a rockabilly yeah. kind of yeah. thing like going Brian on. Brian Setzer's yeah. Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, yeah, Brian Setzer's Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> Chips Ahoy. Yeah, Chips Ahoy. Straight, straight Ren and Stimpy. But I feel like uh, you know this almost felt like a Super Nintendo track to me. Okay. Like the Runaway Five stuff from like uh, Earthbound. Mm -hmm. You know, the very big band swingy style yeah, yeah. Um, sample based music so I, I did like the fact that it was a long song lots of different parts it didn't mm -hmm. loop um, and it was pleasantly understated it was as the song implies you're pleasantly understated and you're pleasantly overstated I am you pretty much sums us up your face alright <laughs> uh, so Oh, Michael Zeland, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about him? Oh, goodness. Well, he is a LucasArts titan. Guru. Started composing music for The Secret of Monkey Island, Monkey Island 2, um, most of the Sam and Max games, all of the Star Wars TIE Fighter games, Outlaws, Grim Fandango. Star Wars TIE Fighter, how to, how to fight with tying a tie. Yeah, the bow tie fighters. Yeah, yeah, bow tie fighters. And then the fighters. necktie fighters. Right. And then the bolo fighters. Cummerbund fighters. Yeah. Uh, so he's the Zealander, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was either a composer or the sound department manager on most of the Lucas Arts games from 1990 all the way up to 2016. Day of the Tentacle remastered. He was credited for music cool. uh, most recently. And then programming and engineering he also has a lot of credits too, especially for the iMuse system, which is. Uh, the system that uh, LucasArts Scum Engine games. Oh, okay. Um, scripts, I've heard of that. 
script something for Maniac Mansion or whatever. It's basically the game engine they used for the Maniac Mansion games. And the music is modular, so you can create little parts here and there and then stitch them together depending on what's going on in the game, so it makes the soundtrack feel much bigger than it actually is. He was the guy that, were well, one of the guys that developed the iMuse mm -hmm. system, which is why he's credited on so many of these games, because gotcha. they all use that iMuse format. Hmm. And Peter McConnell we just talked about, and Eric Willmunder, we can honestly say he's also part of that uh, scum program uh, with the Day of the Tentacle remaster. He did Grim Fandango remastered. He was an initial programmer on that. He's done a lot of programming and engineering for these like uh, LucasArts yeah. games. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like Peter McConnell was probably the lead composer here. The other two guys are mostly like sound department engineers. Yeah, or, you know, probably he's, helped him put the music in. Yeah, I mean, he's credited as music slash sound programming. Yeah, so Eric probably helped out with the actual programming and stuff and stuff and, and stuff. cheese. <laughs> And pickles. And, and pickles. pickles. Oh, man. I helped. Yay. <laughs> Pretty much. He, he dropped the Burger King on their desk as uh, Peter McConnell was composing his no, music. No, don't undersell it. <laughs> Peter McConnell flips job. over the table. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So let's move on to our next game. This is Hotel Dusk. This is my final pick on the Nintendo DS. This came out in 2007, and the track is called Play It Again, Sam. No, it's just called Play It Again. And it's by Sam Sa was in the last game. Sam was in the last game, that's right. And it's by Satoshi Okubo. Welcome back. That was Hotel Dusk. Came out on the DS in 2007. The track was called Play It Again, and it's by Satoshi Okubo. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to accept the award for most saxophone in a VGM podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll take that award. Yes. Yes. I think we earned it today. Uh -huh. You know what this song sounds like to me? If you and Squadron had like a lounge area. Oh, like area yeah. 88, that's, yeah. that's all I can think of. Okay. I hear this. Definitely. Okay. I can definitely hear that. Wow. Now that needs to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Hotel Dusk Room 215 is the official title. The game, you play as a character named Kyle Hyde, basically like a detective. And uh, the game takes place in like the late 70s, almost the 80s. And you're essentially no longer a detective. Now you're like a salesman for this place called Red Crown. There's this guy that shows up 
and uh, is given the room 215. Uh, supposedly this room is able to grant you wishes. And there's all these things that happen throughout the game where there's like a lot of mysterious characters that you meet and you're not really sure what's going on. You're trying to understand, like learn about what's what's going on in the hotel. So um, if you've ever seen the movie like Four Rooms, it's kind oh, of I love that movie. little bit, little Tim bit, Roth. Kind, of, <laughs> kind of like that a little bit, but not really. I mean, I'm kind of exaggerating when I say it, but it's got that hotel atmosphere. You're kind of like, you know, going to each person like throughout the place and so there's I, like there's like four rooms and there's like a witch in one yeah 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 like a guy <laughs> chopping off fingers this and another guy, Antonio Banderas <laughs> so yeah I just really love this track first off that that the, those drums just sound fantastic just got yeah. the that that nice like drumstick on the on the rim snare shot. on the rim yeah. shot yeah yeah it's just really great so but you could tell it's like palm muted like they're putting the drumstick mm -hmm. you know when they're doing the rim shot they're they're putting the drumstick on their palm and uh, kind of like slapping it against the rim yeah, so it's, exactly it's, yeah, it's really cool yeah those nice little like, saxophone stabs yep. a little bit of flute comes in there it's super like, Nintendo saxophone yeah all those all those tropes of that film noir style you know jazzy kind of we're getting a lot of the music with that kind of a feel and I yeah. think you know those kind of go hand in hand with point and click adventures if we were ever going to do a jazz episode this is it ladies pretty and much as yeah. close as we're going to get yeah yeah and you know I think that's because point and click adventures were also more geared to a more adult audience yeah so the music is going to be a little more sophisticated and mature Unlike us. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> this game was developed by not only Nintendo, but also Sing. C-I-N-G is their name. Unfortunately um, closed up, but they did make a sequel called Last Window, The Secret of Cape West, also released on the DS. I never um, heard of that one. Yeah. Interesting. So that one was Japan and Europe only. I explained so that. Oh, so Europe. So at least it's in English. Uh, so Satoshi Okubo worked on uh, mostly Nintendo stuff, actually. Actually, Hotel Dusk was his first game, and then Dragon Age's Aria in 2007, Dungeon Explorer Warriors of Ancient Arts in 2008. I did another Code R, A Journey into Lost Memories, which is a sequel to Trace Memory, if I recall. Yeah. That game sounds familiar. Yeah, that's uh, a DS game that came out. It's not really a point-and-click adventure. It is an adventure game, but not point-and-click. I barely remember that game. Yeah, you might. It's I like think you may have memory played. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, it's kind of like it's kind of like that, like Miss Noir. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Uh, you did Last Window, which was a sequel, Crafting Mama in 2010, Mario Party <laughs> Island Tour in 2014, and Mario Party Star Rush in 2016 before he faded into obscurity as a ninja. Poof. Right on. Yeah. I think he was snatched up by Snatcher. It's All right. Neat. What's next? Last pick of the show. This one is a game called Deponia. This one came out on the PC in 2012. Track is called A Life of Order and Happiness by Finn Seliger and Thomas Hull.
Good morning, everyone. That was a life of order and happiness from Deponia. Came out on the PC in 2012. Oh. Composed by Finn Seliger and Thomas Howell. Yo, Brian, what was the name of that track? That is another game that started in a dump. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and that kind of fits this kind of uh, song, too, because you get all that mechanical clanking. Oh. So, wait, I'm sorry. You said, what, what was what, the name, was of, that the name track? of that track? It was Get On Out of That Dump. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, kids, get, get out of that junk. Okay, yeah, get on out of that junk. <laughs> yeah, it starts off with this, like, toy chest kind of sound to it, where you've got these, like, crunching sounds, like mm. kids playing in, like, a giant... Like, all I picture is, like, a bunch of kids taking a bunch of toys out of, like, a giant chest, mm. you know? I can get that. It was like... Like those De monkey symbols, yeah. you know? It was like Depeche Mode circa 1987 yeah. where they used ratchets as percussion yeah, and things yeah. like that. Einster's yeah. and Neubauten were, like, a German band that only uses, like, machines and self-made instruments, yeah. that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, but you get... Then those, those like, sleepy violins come in and it starts sounding very cinematic. Like, it, it transitions very smoothly from that kind of noisy introduction to that, let me tuck you in and give you a glass of warm milk and pat you on the head and say... <laughs> Pour garbage on you. <laughs> Say your you, ruined, you ruined it, Brian. <laughs> Say your prayers. <laughs> I love this game. I haven't played a lot, but I'll tell you what I do like about this. And um, games like The Whispered World is you, you get that f that golden age yeah. point and click feel. And sp this game specifically, too, is brilliant. They mm. had a feature in it where you pushed a button and you could kind of see all the things you wanted to interact with. So someone like me that's too stubborn to use FAQs mm -hmm. yeah. or things like you that, but you don't want bar. Pixel Hunt, you yeah. push it. Get little arrows that pop up and mm -hmm. kind of show you the thing. They don't tell you what you can do with them, just makes your hunt a little easier. Uh, and you don't have to use it if you don't want to, which is nice too. It's not like yeah. it's right in your face saying, use me. Right. But you know, it's a, it's a fun little story about a guy named Rufus. He's kind of like this Rufus! Doofus? Yeah, Rufus the Doofus. Rufus the Doofus. <laughs> or a Wild Stallion! Yeah, thank uh, you. Yeah. Glad you got that reference. Anyhow, so uh, he's, you know, uh, he's got this nasty roommate. He's living in, like, this garbage planet, and he wants to move up in the world. He, by several machinations of fate, I guess you could say, he, he meets this girl called Goal. Like, her name is literally Goal. She is the goal of the game. Goal! Goal! Soccer game. <laughs> but she is uh, an Elysian pixie from, like, the upper crusts of the world. And so she spends most of the game, like, unconscious or asleep. He's trying to... He feels that if he can get her back to where she needs to be, like, be her savior, right. that he could have his, his in through either a reward or through her good good graciousness to, to become a hero. What a lazy fairy. Yeah. And, and a good part of the, like, first part of the game is he needs to get this, like, really strong coffee to wake her up, so he has to go around and collect all this ingredients for this absurdly strong Sounds like so it's my wife. A, it's got a fun little... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you kill your wife out there? Every morning. <laughs> Every so morning. It's got a good sense of humor. It's a German-developed game, so... Mm -hmm. The translation isn't, like, the humor is always, it's a little off. It's not always, like, funny in English. So it's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> German humor. Some of it's funny. And the voice acting is very good. The localization was great. The art is really nice. It's all hand-drawn. And then the soundtrack is cool, too. There's a lot of, like, medieval vocal songs, like, in cutscenes between each chapter. They kind of, like, tell you the story so far and, like, the character's motivation. Medieval vocals? Yeah, it's, like, bar songs, I guess. Oh, you know, okay. that kind of a deal. But with, like, mandolins and stuff in the background. Tavern stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which is kind of like the feel of this. It's like a steampunk slash, I don't know, 18th century Europe kind of a deal going on. 
It's a very interesting um, okay, theme. Then. Yeah. Finn Seliger, I think he's mostly like mixing and mastering and, and, and a little bit of composition. He's worked on a lot of games that I've never even heard of before, but he, he was the soundtrack creative lead on The Whisper World, and that came out in 2009. But he's worked on uh, Deponia, Chaos and Deponia, and Goodbye Deponia, which were the three games in this Deponia. Goodbye trilogy. Deponia. Um, Bye. Bye. And then he did some German localization for like uh, Assassin's Creed Rogue. Assassin's Creed? Assassin's Creed Rogue. Assassin's Creed. Getting punchy here. Uh, Wolfenstein, The Old Blood, uh, Fallout 4, Doom, Dishonored 2. So he worked on all of these. Triple a lot of newer games, games doing right? German localization for it. <laughs> okay. And then Assassin's the. Craig. Hi, I'm Craig. I'm here to kill you. <laughs> Are you Craig? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm Craig. gonna jump out of this hay I bale. I kill Craig. I kill Craig. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, uh, anyways, Thomas Hull, uh, since 2011, uh, he's been working as a freelance composer for Periscope Studio in Hamburg, um, which is known for producing music for famous German video games. Can you name me some famous German video games? Yeah. We Ram- have Ramstein. Craft- Kraftwerk, the video game. Uh, <laughs> Minecraftwerk. <laughs> Minecraftwerk. Oh my god. So good. Ed, that's brilliant. Show over. Show's over. You can't top that. We're, we're done. That's we're it. done. It's dead. It. We're done. When you go to the menu, which is a pocket calculator. Uh, <laughs> and you, you have, have to be the, the operator. operator. Right, exactly. right. Man. Then you pour some wine into your disk drive. Computer yeah, yeah, yes. yes. <laughs> Computer uh, love. <laughs> Anyways, uh, he's done some, you know, other indie video games, and he worked for Diadalic doing Harvey's New Eyes and the three Deponia games. Uh, and he's got a couple of uh, 2B released games coming out called Regret and Cub. Q-U-B-2. Cube? Cube. Cube. Probably Cube. Cub. Quub. 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 2. Quub 2. The Quapening. <laughs> The quapping. <laughs> that needs to be a game. We need to make so, that. Yeah. Uh, Deponia is actually... Cooperation. It's two-player cooperation. Cooperate. Oh, okay, oh, I like okay. it. I like yeah. it. All I right. see what you did. We can put that in a bundle with Minecraft work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, Deponia is pretty cheap on Steam. Uh, there's a lot of content. It's a really cool trilogy. Very well done. Uh, if you like point-and-click adventure games that are kind of geared for maybe a little simpler, like, introductory crowd. They're not as, like mind-bending as like Thimbleweed Park is. Sure, sure. Definitely go check it out because you won't spend that much money and you'll have a lot of fun. Word. And that pretty much concludes our point-and-click adventure episode. This was the goofiest episode we've done in a long time. Yeah. No, it's the goofiest episode. I'm taking credit. Yeah, no, it's pretty <laughs> welcome. <laughs> we want to thank Brian for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, you can check out Pixel Stories, his podcast on yeah. pixelstories.net. And they've got four episodes and counting, so we wish you the best of luck with that. And I'm sure you'll hear from us on their podcast in the future. Yeah, we'll definitely announce when uh, we show up around those parts. What do we got next? We already we already talked about the video game music jukebox. Yeah, we're doing uh, a... that is going to be episode eighty eight, which is fan favorites three with video game music jukebox. Yes, yeah, so again, just as a reminder, get your tracks in by May first. PTRsubmit at gmail.com. That's right, and uh, that will be a great show because I'm really looking forward to hanging out with those guys. Definitely. Coming up next is going to be a a character focus. Yeah, which is something we've never done before. No, so... we haven't. I mean, we've done games based on characters in their own franchises yeah but we've never done one based on a specific character from an already existing franchise right so we're focusing on of all people or all characters yoshi yoshi's got a lot of great games with a lot of great music you know kind of inspired
inspired by my six-year-old Logan is really into Yoshi's Woolly World. Loves Yoshi. He's got the little yarn Yoshi amiibo. Yoshi carry, amiibo. Carries it with him everywhere he goes. Nice. And we just got him the Poochie one for his birthday. Poochie. So I've been thinking a lot about Yoshi and uh, the soundtrack from Woolly World is fantastic. So I'm going to share some tracks from that. You got some tracks already picked out. Yeah. Oh, so it's going to be a, a really cool, really fun, very cute show, I think. Yeah. Perfect for springtime. Yeah. When I think Yoshi, I think springtime. Because it's going to come out right right at the beginning of May. So yeah. just in time for the flowers to start blooming and yeah. walking around without jackets for a change talking before about it gets 90,000 degrees and 3,000% humidity. Talking about Yoshi. Throwing eggs, rescuing babies. Yeah, man. Yep. Story yep. of my life. So we'll do Yoshi <laughs> and then after that we'll have our uh, video game <laughs> music. I give up. I'm so punchy. It's my bedtime. <laughs> Anyhow, so yes, Yoshi and then our fan favorites three, and then we'll have some more. We got secrets. other stuff planned. Lots of good stuff planned yeah. for the rest of the uh Yeah. Oh, and also we should talk a little bit about Retro World Expo because we will be there uh, October yes. what, fifteenth and sixteenth? I believe so, yeah. In Hartford, Connecticut. Yes. Tickets are on sale now. Book your tickets if you book now, you can book them for ten dollars less than yeah. the normal. It's only thirty five bucks for two days. Thirty five bucks for a two day adventure. That's that's pretty awesome. We will be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll probably be there. Is that the same place they haven't usually in Wallingford the yeah. past two years? Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be in Hartford this year around. Okay. They're gonna be at the, I believe, the XL Center. Center, yeah, which is a way bigger space wow, yeah. than the Wallingford Center. Yeah. So they're gonna have some uh, great panels. Yeah, some we, familiar faces might be in some panels. Yeah, not, we not. we don't know. All I could say is this: we we have entered in, we've put in for a panel. We don't want to get anyone's hopes up, but if we do get approved, it'll be a panel with. Ed and I, Emily from Video Game Music Jukebox, right. and Purnell and Rob from Rhythm and Pixels. Rhythm and Pixels, yes. So if you are a big fan of VGM Podcast, <laughs> yeah. this is like the all-star crew right here. Yeah, pretty um, much. We 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 would have loved to get uh, Josh as well, but he's in California. Yeah, and we also has, asked Brian and James yes, from Pixelated Audio. We did ask Audio, Brian and James, of course, from Pixelated Audio. A, it's such a big trip yes, uh, from, California. from California. So we totally understand. And they have... Uh, West Coast sure. uh, expos out there too that those Definitely. guys might. And even if we don't get the panel, we're still going. We'll be there. I'm pretty sure Emily is still going to come too. So yeah. you, you can always uh, look around on the floor for us and say hi. Yeah, we'll be you know. we'll be the ones drooling over all the games. Yeah, you will. Well, I'll yeah. be the one drooling over people drooling over games. <laughs> what? I don't know. So you're going to drool on me? Is I'm going to drool over me? all the Tim Fallon games that I'm looking oh, for. Okay. That's my collection. All right, there we go. Anyways, so thank you guys for listening. Uh, catch us on iTunes. Hit us up on Facebook.com slash groups slash Radio. Twitter at PixelTunesRadio. Uh, leave a comment on our blog at PixelTunesRadio.com. YouTube.com forward slash Dongled where you can listen and watch the other PixelTunes episodes as well as PixelTunes Plays, our video gaming show where we play video games either me solo or ed and i so yeah that is still a thing and what else you could also watch dude you haven't played this game on that channel which is my video game review series as well as noob repair which is a show that i do now where i repair stuff really easily and i bring on guests and it's all kinds of fun so yeah and then you can check out ed's Impulse Project podcast with our good friend Brian. Yeah, impulseproject.info is the URL for that. We play music from the demo scene and the tracking community. We got actually a couple really, really big shows and some big news coming up in the future for that show. So stay tuned for that. You're going all naked? All naked. You're, you're going to both record naked? We're going to start 
courting naked, covered in slime, and playing all the music backwards. That's a fetish. Covered song. in slime, like Ghostbusters. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ectoplasm. Yeah, good vibes. So hot. So yeah, we're just... gonna start playing Aretha Franklin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they will be like Ghostbuster too. They just like start fighting each other. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> oh boy. All right. All right. Thank you very much for listening, guys. We will see you in two, two weeks, weeks with some with some Yoshi goodness. Peace out.